All right, everybody, welcome to episode 88 of the Fantasy Timeline, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I'm Josh at Real Fantasy TL. I'm with my main man, Bill at Super Duper Flex. Bill, it's been forever since me and you have actually done this. My power goes out, then you go fishing. It's mm-hmm. like we haven't linked, it feels like forever. So, Dude, I am I am glad to be back on the uh, YouTube with you. Uh, how are you doing, man? And I'm actually really happy to be able to sit down and uh, chat with you guys tonight. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, how's your week been going? Oh man, it's just been it's been crazy. Uh, we've had a ton of people uh, taking vacation and stuff on my job, so that's been insane. And then you know. Home life is insane, and then you know it's good to uh, to sit in the refuge of the uh, fantasy timeline compound here and uh, and just get ready to have some fun. So, obviously, if you're watching on YouTube, which by the way you should be, hit the subscribe, hit the bell, do all that stuff I tell you to do at the end of every episode because this is where it's at. You'll see. We have a very attractive man with us. We got at Clinic Cap. How you doing, man? I'm good. You know, same as you. Life is crazy. Uh, I'm in the process of moving, so we're at the in-laws right now while everything sits in a storage locker. As you know, if you've ever moved, you know moving's the worst. Um, so try doing it to move into a storage locker and then out whenever the time comes. Uh, so beyond that, though, doing well, um, you know, trying to do more guest spots like this and hop around, talk with you guys. Um, so I'm excited to be on and I, you know, took a look at the questions and tweets we have. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to digging into some of those. I love it. Um, actually saw, um, saw you post the picture of the house. It looks awesome. Moving is like the best thing and the worst thing all at the same <laughs> time. So I, I understand your, your pain. Uh, moved around a lot as a kid, so I am uh, I am well versed in the uh, the art of moving. So um, while I'm excited for the new chapter, I also uh, I feel the pain. So oh yeah, yeah. So good I luck appreciate with that. you uh, color coordinating your shirt to your uh, room though. That's nice. I know it, it gives a nice pink glow to my face too. It's like I have an Instagram filter on, you know. But, yeah, and the, and this is these are the kind of guests we bring. We don't just bring the average Joe. We bring some people who will color coordinate their shirt <laughs> to their room to give you guys the best possible experience. Great so, viewing experience. That's right. That's right. We we don't want you know we don't want you looking at my face. No one wants to look at that. We want you to look at a, a beautiful. Uh, pink on salmon combination bill just turned <laughs> turned the camera off because he doesn't think anyone wants to look at his face that's not true ladies love bill so i'm gonna put that out there for you so <laughs> let's uh let's get to the news because there, there's some interesting running back uh news we can call it in uh mid-july i guess uh the first one is Damian Harris, New England's surefire number one running back for 2021. Now, I, I want to preface this by saying uh, this was this was from a beat reporter. This was not from Bill Belichick or a running backs coach or an offensive coordinator. Hell, it wasn't even from a defensive coordinator. So 
I want to put that out there, but but I want to expand on this because if it's true, if Damian Harris is legitimately the surefire number one running back, doesn't really mean anything. And I want to get I want to get your guys' opinion on this because you know I, I've heard arguments from both sides, so I, I want to hear uh, what you have to say. Cat, uh, why don't you go first? Why don't you Why don't you tell us what you're thinking about this? Yeah. So honestly, seeing this come out, it didn't surprise me um, that they're saying something like this because, as we know, you know, Sony Michelle's knees are dust compared to what they were. I mean, you think we can see down the field, he looks like a completely different player than he did as a rookie. Um, and, you know, James White's obviously his pass catching back. Rex, Rex Burkhead is gone. Um, you know, there's some Ramondre Stevenson love out there, but he's also, you know, a fourth round rookie. So how much impact is he going to have year one? So it wasn't really shocking to see that. Um, my take has been on it that Damian Harris has the potential to be a fancy RB2 and RB2 meaning, you know, top 24 fancy running back. But, the big disclaimer on that is when Mac Jones starts, if Cam Newton is the starter, I don't want anything to do with Damian Harris, because as we all know, you know, even if Cam Newton's skills are diminished now from what they were, he's still going to vulture goal line touchdowns as he has his entire career, as he did last year. And that leaves Damian Harris as a type of guy who, you know, he could have a good game. He could have 95, hundred rushing yards, but he doesn't catch passes. And if he doesn't have touchdowns, you're going to get what 9.5 to 10 points out of him out of an RB2 slot if you take him at that price. So that doesn't help you win games, um, and I'm not interested in that. But, you know, if they go week one and say Mac Jones is our starter, then I want him because I don't think Mac Jones is going to be stealing touches running the football from any running back, let alone Damian Harris. Um, so that, that's been my take on it all offseason. You know, this isn't shocking. This is about, you know, right on cue for camp hype season to come around. So you got to kind of, you know, glean what matters and what doesn't, but Damian Harris is the most talented back on that roster right now. So not super shocking. All right, Bill, what about you? What, what is, what is your thoughts about Damian Harris here? Well, being like a RB one for new England doesn't really, you know, color me with excitement. I mean, if we're going to every year, new England gets overhyped at every position, and just because they're New England for whatever reason, when was the last time there was actually a really good um, position player um, besides Edelman? Like, I can't even pick one. So, like, Randy Moss? That's a while ago. Well, so, Le- you could, you could say, if you're in Blunt, yeah, I was going to say, if you go running back, you say Blunt for touchdowns, yeah. you know. So, but, I mean, but that's the thing, right? Like, it's it's hard to pick somebody. And, you know, there's been a lot of players that were hyped up every year for New England. And so that always concerned me. Like, okay, he's probably RB1, but Ramondre Stevenson, they say reminds them of Blunt. So he's is he going to be vulturing touchdowns regardless, you know, once Mac Jones is quarterback? Oh. And so there's a lot of things that even if he is the guy that gets the most touches, um, Damian Harris – I'm not overly excited about it because there's other guys that still play roles that are going to take touches away from him, especially when they, you know, he's got to, they have to have positive game script because otherwise they're just going to be throwing in James white. And so there's just a lot of things. Cause you know, Belichick is one of the players that's, or one of the coaches that's just going to play matchups every game. So like, that's something that I don't like, um, uh, 
to bank on. So if I can get Damian Harris, you know, or if he's on my team, I'm okay holding him, but I'm not going out of my way to add him. Okay. Yeah, so so this is an interesting one, and I, I want to tackle this from a point of view that I don't think I've ever heard anyone else tackle it from, and if you have, I'm sorry. I apologize for not giving you credit. But I, I don't like listening, especially this time of year, to what coaches or beat writers or whoever, what they say. I, I like to listen to what organizations have done with their offseason movement. And, I mean, they they grabbed the top two tight ends off the market. They got Johnu Smith. They got Hunter Henry. They signed Nelson Aguilar and Kend- Kendrick Bourne. I understand those aren't two wide receivers that, you know, get you super excited. But I'm wondering if Bill Belichick wants Cam Newton to do a lot more passing and a lot less running, because if the whole goal of it is to just have Cam run all the time, um, I don't know why you would spend a whole lot of money. And they spent a whole lot of money on those weapons um, just to have Cam run around. I mean, you could have kept the Jacoby Meyer, Nikhil Harry uh, mess that they had last year and have Cam Newton run around. Um, for double-digit touchdowns. But, you know, that may also be for Mac Jones, but they didn't know that they were going to get Mac Jones when they made those signings. So they were kind of making the assumption that it was going to be Cam. Um, And maybe they want to delegate the running to their running backs. I know, crazy idea. Um, But, yeah, I mean – We've run into this problem before in New England where we think we've nailed down a running back and then, you know, there's like four guys, you know. It had been Rex Burkhead for a while, and I know he's not there anymore. You know, James White gets into the mix and starts doing things, and then Sony Michelle is out there doing things. And, you know, you know, the, the rumor is Sony Michelle might get cut. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but if you're telling me that Sony Michelle gets cut and New England doesn't bring in, you know, a Todd Gurley or a random person that gets cut during final cuts from another team to replace Sony, you know, I, I, I just think that's what's going to happen because I feel like Bill Belichick can't run his offense without having four running backs that get touches on his team. I mean, that's just what he does. So I mean, look, I, I, I traded for uh, Damian Harris. I gave up the 2.09 in a 14-team league. Like, whatever. Like, at that point, who am I getting with the 23rd rookie pick? Probably someone that's got as much upside as Damian Harris anyway. So it is what it is. I think Damian Harris is good, but I just don't know if he's going to be fantasy valuable for you. I mean, now I agree. I agree with, with cap said, if, you know, we transition out of the Cam Newton era and into the Mac Jones era. Now I think we're going to run a lot more traditional of an offense where we have a running back that's, you know, doing the running and not your quarterback. But until that happens, you know, we got to assume that every quarterback or excuse me, every running back on the Patriots is just capped. So, you know, there you go. That, that I think that's our opinions on it. Uh, you know, I think we like the guy, but maybe not like the situation. Um, 
And here's another one. More, you know, more people talking about running backs. Now, this actually came from the head coach, even though, you know, I'll let you guys comment on it. Uh, the head coach of the Bears, Matt Nagy, says he wants 20 carries a game for David Montgomery. So pencil him in 340 carries for David Montgomery this year. Uh, and and go, Bill, the, does this change your opinion about David Montgomery one way or the other? No. I mean, I don't know what, like – I mean, I'm not really sure what their plans are for running back, but I don't think it really matters. I don't have a high expectations for David Montgomery. I think volume is the only thing that's enticing about him. Um, so, you know, they did sign, uh, what, Damian Williams? Damian Williams, yep. Um, so, like, who knows how much he's going to, you know, take. Um, I can't imagine he's going to get as many, many touches as he did at the end of last year. Um, I think that's probably unlikely. And I have heard coaches, coach speak this time of year, throwing out stupid numbers every year. I don't think 20 stupid, but. Like, <coughs> Miles Sanders. Go ahead. Who, who was it? Uh, Miles Sanders last year when Deuce Staley said he was yes. going to have like 25 touches. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy like that. Okay, so there we go. Like it, it happens all the time. And yeah. it's just something to give somebody something to write about. And, you know, everybody's digging for stories right now, asking questions. And, you know, I'm sure the question kind of went, hey, uh, what do you, what do you, do you think, uh, you know, what do you think about Montgomery? Would, would you like to get him up into the 20 touch game, you know, 20 touches per game? And the guy's like, well, of course I do, because that means that we're doing well. You know what I mean? Like, as a coach, you're just going, yeah, I would love for him to get 20 touches, you know, 20 carries a game, because that means that we're in the game and we're not having to pass the ball. And so, you know, it doesn't really change my opinion. 1%. Uh, I think this is, this is, you know, uh, short logic said the Pats RBs are a trap in the uh, chat. I mean, this whole time of year with the media is a trap in my opinion, unless you're hearing it from a bunch of different sources and it's not the exact same story that's getting reported. Then I started to listen, you know, there's a lot of different sources talking about Elijah Moore. Well, that's something that I'm going to listen to. You know, one story about 20 touches for Montgomery, which we're expecting him to get at least 15 anyway. You know, I'm not really sure. You know, it doesn't doesn't do too much for me. How about you, Cap? I was going to say the same thing. He had 16 and a half carries a game last year. So it's not like 20 a game is some like, you know, meteoric rise or some huge shift in their philosophy. Um, I think it's going to be harder because a lot of the, you know, case in point argument for Montgomery last year is he was the only guy after Tariq Cohen went down to the ACL injury. Um, You know, and they've said Cohen looks stiff, which you should after an ACL. Um, So I'm interested to see what that volume looks like. I also don't think the bears are going to be the best team in the world. Um, I don't think that's shocking news to anybody. And, you know, Matt Nagy is also the same guy who wants Andy Dalton to start. So what he wants does not matter a whole lot to me. In all honesty, I don't take, I take it with a cup of salt when I see anything. Um, So for me, it doesn't change a lot from a fantasy perspective. I've still thought Montgomery is a value at this point because I think there's a little bit of overcorrection going on because people are talking about, you know, he had the perfect back half schedule, which he did. He's the only guy, which is of course true. 
But that doesn't mean he still can't be, you know, a borderline RB1, high-end RB2, just because of that volume. Um, I think he's a good player. You know, he had a lot of hype coming in as a rookie. I remember that. And then people got burned last year. And then he was a huge value last year. And now people are saying, oh, he's going to bust this year. So it flip-flops what people want to believe about David Montgomery. Um, so I tend to think he's a good player on, you know, a mediocre offense, as I as I can see it. Um, unless Fields is starting. Then, you know, that that changes the dynamic a lot for me. Um, but but in general, you know, this doesn't change anything I believe about Montgomery. You got to you got to know when to look past this kind of clickbait coach speak stuff that that comes out this time of year. And that that's exactly what I feel like this says. Yeah, so I want to touch on a thing that that both of you guys said, actually. Um, Bill, you brought up a good point, because I think later on in that comment, he says that, you know. He expects or he wants to be winning in every game. So that's why Montgomery would get 20 touches is because they're, you know, they're running down the clock and they're, you know, they're protecting leads and stuff like that. Um, and, and Cap, you brought up an interesting point too, because the the word around camp has been that, you know, Tariq Cohen isn't exactly where he should be. He's looking stiff. He's not quite out there doing everything he's supposed to be doing. And I, I would actually take this maybe to, yeah, get a little Damian Williams. I mean, you don't need to spend a lot. What do you? I mean, if he's not on your waiver wire, you probably throw a fourth at someone, and and probably get the deal done. And if Tariq Cohen is is not well and not where he's supposed to be, and that lingers into the season, I think Damian Williams just takes the Tariq Cohen role where he's the pass catching back. And maybe, you know, you flip that midseason for a third, you know, and look at, I mean, fourth round pick, even if you're dead wrong, Tariq Cohen ends up being fine. And Damian Williams is getting like two touches a game. You lost a fourth round pick. Like you're not going to, you know, you're not going to cry to yourself. You sleep over it. Um, but somebody was, you know, somebody was also saying that maybe after what Montgomery did last year, the coaching staff actually has faith in him to kind of be a three down back and not, you know, not have all these other people out there doing things. I mean, we'll see what happens with that. You know, um, I don't know if he's going to, if he's going to be that guy, if he's going to be the three down back or if, you know, Tariq Cohen ends up doing pass catching stuff again, or maybe Damian Williams does. Who knows? But the cat brought up a good point. You know, as long as Andy Dalton's out there, besides Allen Robinson, you know, do you re- are you really excited about anything on that offense? Uh, probably not. And once Fields gets out there, then it's kind of like all systems go. It's like, all right, let's you know, let's see if if the kids got it. Let's see if he can you know actually do some things with an offense, you know. I mean, good thing for Allen Robinson is Andy Dalton might be the best quarterback he's ever played with. So either way, he he's just getting massive improvement on what his uh, career quarterback situation has been. So um all right. So I think we I think we talked about uh our our running back uh news enough. Let's let's get into the timeline. All right. So this first one this is just a funny one. I wanted to put it out here because I thought I thought A was funny and B, I wish I had done this myself. Uh, this is from 
Kyle Krajewski. Kyle, I probably butchered your last name. I apologize. At Kyle Krajewski. Uh, starting to look like I may need to add fantasy league buy-ins to the wedding registry. I wish I had done that for my wedding. Just been like, hey, if you can give me uh, 50 bucks and you can give me 75 bucks and you can give me 100 bucks, <laughs> I can pay for all these leagues. Just give it to me directly. Uh, don't don't put it in the little box where all the cards go because uh, I don't want my wife to know about that money. Uh, so, I mean, just a funny tweet. I wanted to throw it out there. We don't really need to discuss it, but I just want to throw it out there because I thought it was hilarious. Um, but here, let's get into the into the main event now. So uh, this first one here, uh, Cap, you actually threw this one on here, and I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty good. So. Um, this is from Dave Kluge at Dave Kluge. Average draft position for Pittsburgh Steelers wide receivers. Deontay Johnson, 51.4. He's coming in at wide receiver 25. Chase Claypool, 60.5 ADP, coming in at wide receiver 29. Juju Smith-Schuster, 78.1 ADP, coming in at wide receiver 38. And then the ADP for Ben Roethlisberger is 195.4. QB 28. And he's saying, is fantasy football overvaluing the wide receiver trio, undervaluing Big Ben, or both? So, um, Bill, I'll actually go to you first since Cap threw this on here. Uh, What do you think? Are we too high on the Steelers wide receivers? Are we too low on Big Ben? Or is it a little bit of both? So I th- I think if we're anything, we're low on Ben. And I think, you know, especially for like redraft, um, I think he's a guy that, I mean, I added him in, in SFB um, 11. I just think, like, he still scored 300 points last year, like in that, you know, in that scoring, which, you know, promotes a uh, high completion percentage. But like, he says his elbow was still jacked up last year. He was still, you know, coming back from the surgery. I mean, we see that with pitchers that had similar, um, had the same surgery. It usually takes them a year to get back. I mean, so I still feel like he's a guy that I, I, I'm fine adding for the year. Um, I'm probably not doing anything dynasty wise with him, but like for anything for season long, I'm, I'm totally. I feel like he's being undervalued right now. And I think that, you know, last year uh, people were a lot higher on him. Um, I think the wide receivers are probably where they need to be just because we don't know who's going to like separate themselves from the others. And so they're all kind of just hovering in that um, wide, late wide receiver two, early wide receiver three range. So, you know, I'm sure we won't see them bunched up like that at the end of the year. It's just that we don't know which guy's going to kind of, you know, take the reins. Um, so yeah, I think Ben is actually the guy that of those that I think is undervalued, um, and that I'm willing to take a risk on. I didn't unmute myself. Um, Kat, this one you threw on there. So, so what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. So I honestly think it's a little bit of both. Um, if everyone thinks that these wide receivers, you know, according to the ADP can be a wide receiver two and wide receiver three for fantasy, but you don't think big Ben's even going to be a QB two, then something's off there in the ADP data, you know, because he can't, he can't sustain three high level wide receivers and not be fantasy relevant. It's just, it's not going to happen. 
Um, you know, last year he finished as a QB 18 in four point per passing touchdown league. So, and if his elbow really was messed up, whatever you want to believe on that, you know, you should expect him to finish at least around there or a little bit higher. Um, so that ADP is skewed just from that perspective. Um, in terms of the wide receivers, I think that they are a little overvalued. Um, I think part of it comes in terms of scoring format. So like somebody like Deontay Johnson, if it's a full PPR, I want him over Claypool all day long because every time he's in the lineup with Roethlisberger, he just gets peppered with targets. You know, you can say what you will about his drops, but I'm going to chase the volume every single time. Um, whereas Claypool is more of a, you know, he's got to hit the big play in a game. He could have three, four catches in a game, but if he doesn't get a big play and a touchdown, you're going to feel like you got burnt that week. And if you're throwing him out there as your wide receiver too, you can't you can't get a dud week from him. Um, and I think he's going to be a lot more reliant on really what Big Ben does because we saw last year a lot of short throws, low A dot, high completion percentage. Like his his game has completely changed. Um, whether he's working around his arm or not, um, we'll see early on what he looks like. Juju is the only one that I don't really want any part of, um, and that's because what they've moved him to. He was that perimeter receiver with AB. And then they bumped him into the slot last year where he was, you know, he was okay. Um, but now they're saying they're moving him back out to the perimeter. And with a guy like Claypool on the perimeter and, and Deontay in the slot, I don't, I don't want anything to do with Juju, even at that price. Um, unless it's a full PPR and I'm taking him as my, you know, wide receiver four ish, which is about what his ADP indicates. Um, then, then I could do it. But, I think as a whole, they're overvalued if people believe that Roethlisberger is really going to be that bad. You know, if people, if the ADP adjusts and people say that Roethlisberger is going to be better, then they're, they're probably par for the course of, of what they should finish as. But out of the three, I'd still want, I'd still want Johnson, unless it's, you know, a half PPR standard than Claypool. All right. So, so Cap can officially be a member of the, uh, of the timeline fantasy with that pro Deontay Johnson take. I love it. <laughs> um, so I, I had some notes, uh, and I think my comment accidentally got deleted, but I'll try to remember this stuff off the top of my head. Um, Big Ben was tied for 29th in yards per attempt. I think it was 6.5 yards per attempt. Uh, that's not good. Uh, he was averaging about 253 yards per game. Uh, that was 15th in the league right around the middle of the pack. That's not good. Now I'm saying that's not good if we're talking about three wide receivers, you know, being in the wide receiver two to three range. Uh, I don't think that's a, a sustainable way to go. Now, Bill made a point, you know, Big Ben was saying that his arm was still, you know, not at 100%. So maybe this year it is at 100%. He starts airing it out a little bit more. Those yardage numbers, you know, start creeping closer to 300 than 200. But he's also a year older, so we got to take that into effect. And, you know, I'm not talking about he's going from, you know, 24 to 25. He's going from, I think, 37 to 38. So, um, I mean, we all look at Tom Brady and think every quarterback can do it. But uh, Tom Brady is a very special case. Um, but, look, I, I'm with you, Cap. Uh, I think if I, you know, gun to my head, I have to take one of these receivers. I'm going with Deontay, and it's because we see out there when it's Big Ben and Deontay, 
he's gonna get a, he's gonna get a ton of receptions. He's gonna get a ton of targets thrown his way. And even when Mike Tomlin gets mad at him, that doesn't bother Big Ben. Big Ben is still gonna throw it his way. He doesn't care if he drops it, doesn't drop it. You know, throws it in the air. You know, he doesn't care. He's he's gonna go um, Deontay's way. You know, Chase Claypool is very much a boomer bust guy. I think he had eleven touchdowns last year, and I believe maybe four of them were rushing touchdowns. I mean, if you plan on that happening again, sure, I guess you can put, you know, Chase Claypool in that, you know, low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. But, I mean, as we all know, touchdowns, not a sticky stat. So, you know, he could have 11 again. He could have five. And if he has five, he's definitely not going to be in that two, you know, two-ish area. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Big Ben is, you know, maybe he's a little bit underrated, but I don't think that he's so uh, underrated that we can bump up the wide receivers. So I think actually we're a little too high on these wide receivers, maybe a little too low on Big Ben. But, I mean, the only person I would want to put my money on uh, – out of those four guys would be uh, Deontay. Cool, cool. So let's move on to the next one here. Garrett Vina at FF Goldmine. He said a decision I've been struggling with in best ball drafts. Who do you like more this year? Um, Matthew Stafford or Ryan Tannehill? I feel like these two guys that have got a lot of hype, um, We've been, you know, talking. We've been talking about these guys' additions, movement, the whole nine. So, Cap, why don't you start us off uh, in a best ball? Are you going with Matt Stafford or are you going with Ryan Tannehill? So, part of my answer is going to be because of the majority responded Matthew Stafford, um, and I honestly think that's a mistake. You know, I I get I get it. I've been a Lions fan my whole life. I watched Matthew Stafford play for 10-ish years, you know, and I know what the dude is. Um, you know, he he can obviously throw 5,000 yards. He can throw 40 times a game. He can throw 40 touchdowns. Like, that's in his skill set. But people have to remember that he did that on Detroit Lions teams ranking last in the league in defense and last in the league in a run game. So what else are you going to do but throw 40 times a game? You know, I think I think people have this misconception about Stafford that, He's just going to throw all, you know, throw 40 times every single game regardless. And I don't think that's going to be the case with the Rams. You know, obviously you can say he has a better supporting cast with Cooper Cup, Robert Woods and whatnot, but it's not like he had scrubs for wide receivers most of his years in Detroit. He had Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, um, even Golden Tate. And, you know, go all the way back to Calvin. He was really the only one. But it's not like Stafford hasn't had weapons to throw to. Um, so my my belief on Stafford this year is that the Rams don't need to throw that much to win ball games. They have an elite defense. They have a good run game, a good old line, and good wide receivers. There is a you know a range of outcomes out there where they jump ahead to leads and Stafford shifts into game manager mode, where he just has to not make mistakes. They rely heavily on play action, and that's their mo. You know, I I think people automatically build this narrative that you know oh wait till Sean McVay gets his hands on him. It's like yeah, when he gets his hands on him, he's gonna play to his st- strengths, but he's not gonna. I don't think that team's going to have to play from behind like people believe. 
So for me, I, I always look at the defenses first. If I'm looking for some kind of boom game, like, in, you know, in terms of best ball, you want those peaks. Um, and that's where I think Ryan Tannehill is the way better bet than Stafford. And I'm surprised that he's not, he didn't get more votes, honestly, because when I look at Tannehill, the, the situation's perfect. He does have that rushing upside, not a ton, obviously, but he'll give you, you know, a couple extra points here and there, which over the course of the season is a big deal. Um, you know, obviously they added Julio Jones, so he has a real bona fide wide receiver too. And his wide receiver two would be a wide receiver one on any other team. Um, the defense isn't good. The Titans defense isn't that good, and they didn't really add any corners. So their pass defense is near non-existent. You know, they cut corners, if anything. Um, so, you know, we obviously know the Titans have been run heavy. I expect that to change a little bit because I don't, one, I don't think, you know, they can keep giving Derrick Henry these ridiculous amount of touches. Um, you know, a human's human, and Derrick Henry is the closest thing we've seen to an alien on the football field. But I think at some point that has to give, and they probably want to preserve him because you know he's on a big contract, and they don't want to they don't want to hurt him. Um, so I really think Tannehill is the better bet here. I think he's going to throw more this year than he has in years past, and and we've seen from him in Tennessee that he's been hyper efficient with his numbers. So even if he throws more, and that efficiency goes down a little bit. Um, I still think he'll outperform Stafford this year. I know that's not a popular take by any means. I talked about Stafford with some other people today and got some heat for it. And obviously love the guy to death because I'm a Lions fan. I want to see him do well, but that's, I just don't, I think the narrative is a lot different than what's going to probably end up happening in my opinion. I, I, I was going to insert a whole bunch of smart stuff here, but once Cap said he was a Lions fan, I saw Bill fall in love. So <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to let Bill uh, Bill give his opinions on this. I mean, honestly, that's almost precisely, like, my thoughts. Like, I, I feel like the efficiency of Tannehill um, with the expectation of higher volume this year is super interesting. And, like, and I agree. I mean, it, it's – you're going to see Stafford make throws this year and like LA Rams fans are going to be like, this guy's incredible. You know, like they have no idea what they're in store for that. They haven't seen, you know, they've not seen these throws being made uh, with Goff there. So like, he's going to be great for their team, but I'm not necessarily sold that he's going to be, you know, like this top eight QB this year. And and I think he's going to be a lot more consistent than he is these boom and bust weeks. So um, he can win them games, but I don't think he's going to have to a lot. So um, I think, you know, he, he was a great ad for them, but I think Tanny is just so much more interesting to me. And he's definitely the, the guy that actually is an answer later on for us, um, for me. And um, so, yeah, I agree. And uh very happy to hear that Caps a Lions fan. I've been a miserable Lions fan for way too long. Uh, had season tickets for the 0-16 year. So uh, here's my badge of honor right there. And uh, did, I gave up my season tickets out, next year. Did you bust out the paper bag? No, I don't I do not do that. Oh. But I bitched a lot. <laughs> yeah, I can see why. So I want to throw Lindsay Lindsay Kennedy up there. Can't wait. She's a Rams fan, so she's excited about you know the upgrade to to Matthew Stafford. And uh, this comment didn't get a read, so I, I can actually give you the numbers correctly here. I went on 
underdogs uh, ADP since they're uh, they're one of the biggest uh, kind of best ball sites out there right now. And it's actually pretty close. So Stafford comes in with an ADP of 105.1. Uh, Tannehill uh, a little bit before him at 102.4. So they're pretty much within three picks. So people are kind of taking these quarterbacks back to back pretty much. Um, I agree with Ryan Tannehill. I think Ryan Tannehill is the pick. I actually, this is where I disagree a little bit. I think. Matt Stafford is going to have more boom games because I think there are going to be games. I understand the LA Rams defense is legit. I mean, they, they pretty much have all pro players at every position, but I think, you know, they actually play in a pretty good offensive division with Arizona, with Seattle, uh, those are teams that have offensive weapons. Depending on when you catch Russ, uh, he might be uh, he might be cooking at that time. He may not be uh, heating up the Giorno yet, but um, you know. So th- there may be games where they're going to have to uh, air it out a little bit. Um, but I, I think Ryan Tannehill is like just consistently really good. I think you're going to have peaks and valleys with uh, Matt Stafford. And that's not to say he's not going to be good over the course of the season. I think he's going to be really good, but I think you're going to get some like top three weeks because they play an offensive team and they're going to have to to air it out a little bit, but then they're going to play a team that, you know, isn't that good. And, you know, the defense is just going to clamp down and, and Matt Stafford pretty much has to make a couple throws and then, hand the ball off to Cam Akers, Darrell Henderson, whoever else is there. And uh, Kat made a good point. The Titans defense is hot garbage. Um, They were okay last year, and then they pretty much got rid of all of the good players on their defense. So um, I don't expect them to be well. Uh, Julio Jones is going to come out there and obviously open things up a little bit. Uh, they still have uh, Derrick Henry to keep things honest. So I think you're going to get a lot more consistently very good for Ryan Tannehill. And obviously, if this is uh, a one QB, uh, you know, we always talk about best ball. You know, we want, you know, we don't mind giving, getting those peak and valley guys because, you know, the score, if they're really good, is just going to pop in. But, you know, if you have, you know, just one quarterback, you're, you're probably, you know, rostering two, maybe three in a best ball scenario, depending on how many rounds. Uh, I just want that guy to be consistently good. And I think Ryan Tannehill is that dude. So I would rather have that than what I think will be peaks and valleys of uh, Matthew Stafford this year. But uh, Drew asked something interesting here. You know, he brings up the same thing, Arizona, Seattle, San Francisco, you know, AFC South doesn't seem like will be very high scoring this season to me. Indianapolis is a good team. You got you got to play them twice. Jacksonville could have a good offense. I mean, I'm listen. I'm not out here saying that you know Trevor Lawrence is going to throw for five thousand yards and all this craziness, but they have Trevor Lawrence. They have Travis Etienne and James Robinson, who was a stud last year. You know, they have DJ Chark, who we've seen flashes of. LaVisca Chenault, who we all are kind of like saying is going to be that dude this year. 
And they got Detroit Lions own Marvin Jones, who, you know, is literally like the least talked about really good wide receiver in the entire league. I mean, the dude just does it every time he gets an opportunity and nobody talks about him. Um, and Tim Tebow. All right, not Tim Tebow. But the rest of those guys are actually really good at playing uh, football. So, yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> – Bill left on the Tim Tebow comment. Um, so let, let's not just automatically assume that the Jaguars are going to be a not good offensive team. So. Yeah, I mean, the Texans are the Texans. They're not good. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give you some hype story about how they could be good. They're terrible. But Indy, we know we know they're a good team, and the Jaguars definitely could be a good team. So I wouldn't necessarily say that there are no offensive threats to the Titans in the AFC South. But obviously, the NFC West. They got a lot more established offenses with a lot more established pieces. So, um, to be fair, that's only six of 17 games. Right. So it's not like it's this material amount of games that I need to make my decision based off of that, at least for me. Yeah. and, And, and I agree. And I don't know the rest of their, uh, their schedule, so I, I don't. I mean, I could have looked it up, but and it doesn't really matter because anything you get based off of last year is totally like, like defense is completely like not sticky year to year. So, <laughs> uh, oh, agreed. But I mean, I think we could. I think we could look at offenses and kind of predict maybe some firefights. Maybe you know, like we're kind of looking at the offenses in the uh, NFC West and predicting that there could be some shootouts just based on what we've seen from the offenses and and potential, you know, for pieces that they've added. But yeah, I mean, and this is just me personally, I could be dead wrong. I think Matt Stafford is going to have a a lot more highs and lows than um, Ryan Tannehill, who I think is just going to be like uh, consistently like top eight quarterback every week, you know, like. And I'll be honest, I will not check back to see who's right for this one. Hey, listen, neither will I. I don't play. I don't, I hardly play any best ball. Listen. How about you, Cap? Do you play any? I do, you know, not as much as I probably should. Um, You know, I'm not a degenerate yet with 50 best ball leagues at $5 entries a pop. Um, But I do play it just so I can talk about it, basically. Um, But, you know, I think if you're talking divisional, like the NFC West, there's also, you know, there's a possibility out there that the 49ers, you can kind of throw out those games depending on what happens, because, you know, if Jimmy G's a starter, what will the offense look like? Um, and when Lance starts, we have no idea what that offense is going to look like. It could become really run heavy. Um, it could be an RPO type of offense. Like you have no clue what's going to happen when that happens. So, you know, you can toss those two games because they're uncertain. Um, and with the Seahawks, I really believe that, they're going to try and get more back towards the run game because Pete Carroll fired their offensive coordinator over it, that they wanted to be more run heavy. Um, so I think, you know, it'll be more Chris Carson, Russell Cook less. will try to clock control the game. Um, you know, and the really the only one I could see the shootouts with is Arizona because obviously we know they're going to throw it. They have a fast um, pace of play. I think it's the fastest in the league in terms of plays that they get off. Um, and, you know, obviously DeAndre Hopkins and, you know, whatever you want to say about the ghost of A.J. Green, 
there now. You know, I'm more interested in Rondale Moore, but I think they're going to be exposed in offense. So I, I think it's a lot closer than people think it is in terms of competition and potential shootouts in, that, in those divisions. Well, and I think, too, you know, we talk about the offenses in that division, but San Francisco, if they're healthy, really good defense. Uh, Arizona bolstered their defense. They signed J.J. Watt. They uh, went with a first-round pick on defense. Uh, I think they actually went heavy defense in the draft, if I remember correctly. Um, Seattle's kind of always decent on defense. You know, they may not be the Legion of Boom, but, you know, they're going – they're usually decent. So, you know, I I also think we have to look at these teams. Like, yes, they they all have offensive firepower, and they could definitely be shootouts. But, you know, if those defenses show up to play in division games, these could also be lower scoring affairs. And, you know, especially against uh, a team like San Francisco, if they're healthy, I mean, their defense is lights out. So – I mean, we could be talking about, you know, kind of a 14-10 defensive classic. You know, if both sides are healthy, Bill has refreshed his drink. We're excited. Um, I want to throw I want to throw this one up here, though, because it made me uh, it made me laugh. I just have to uh, find it here. Uh, maybe it got taken down. Um, oh, no, here it is. Here it is. Perfect. Uh, Cousins versus uh, Golf, Dalton, and Love. Uh, shootout written all over that division. Uh, first of all, um, Andy Dalton starting like three weeks, so we'll calm that down. And um, Aaron Rodgers is going to be starting for the pack, so we can, we can calm that down too. So go ahead, Cap. You had something to That's say about funny. it. That's funny. Um no, I mean that, that that NFC North is not as good as people make it out out to be. You know, I think shootouts just you know Dan Campbell. I don't think he's much of a shootout man. You know, you wouldn't want to see him in a saloon for a shootout, but I don't think he's going to try and throw the ball fifty <laughs> times a game with Jared Goff. So I I think uh, short logic is spot on with that one. Uh, Dan Campbell is um is serving Jared Goff. Uh, kneecaps so he knows what they taste like when he gets out onto the field so uh yeah, it's, we got, it's a, a ped yeah we we got that going and then drew out here saying trey sermon for 1300 all-purpose yards running the clock out um i'd love it yeah um trey sermon couldn't get to 1300 yards if his life depended on it so i don't care if he's running oh. running the clock out or if he's uh if he's running from the authorities he's uh he ain't running for 1300 yards okay I like um, Cap more and more, man. This is awesome. I don't know. I think uh, – does he mean 1,300 rushing yards or 1,300 all-purpose yards? All-purpose. All-purpose. Okay, if it's all-purpose, I think that's that's high. But I think he does get 1,000 all-purpose yards this season, all honesty. Like, Trey Sermon's been a guy that I've been talking about a lot. I think that, you know, whether, whether you like him or not um, – you know, they traded up to get him. And even if he is the committee, you know, because everyone says the Shanahan committee, right? I've heard it before, but everyone's a committee back in the NFL nowadays. You can count on one hand how many backs aren't a committee and get the vast majority of their workload. Um, so you want to take the most talented guys in that committee. And we've seen, you know, Jeremy Rahimo stare as fast as he is. The dude can't stay healthy. Um, you know, so everyone loves Rahimo stare. And it happened this time last year too. But if he can't stay healthy, and that community is valuable, you know, I think 
I, I don't have Trace Thurman protected for 1,300 yards, obviously, but, you know, I think he's going to be a lot more useful than people think he is right away. I mean, I think he's he – don't, you don't have to be an all-star running back to put up numbers in that system. Your grandma could walk into that system and probably put up 500 rushing yards with Shanahan. Like, that's just how it is. Uh, Ed, so so we'll, we'll give you a little bit of the quick background on why you <laughs> said that. So I made the comment that people taking Trey Sermon in the first round of their rookie drafts are – they're making a mistake. Because oh, yeah, that's silly. That's silly. Okay. Mm. Bill made mention that he he thought that maybe Trey Sermon could get to thirteen hundred yards. I said. Let I said, me. Let, this is. Dash. Is there, we gonna do this every every episode? Hey, but Drew brought it up, himself. so you can blame Drew on this one. I wasn't even gonna. We were. I just joked about, because he said that. I said, now watch him get thirteen hundred yards. You know, and I like, and I believe my response is, I will bet anything. That never happens. Uh, I mean, I, it's in the range of so outcomes. Yeah, that that's a. I wouldn't take that bet in that backfield. If if everyone it's else goes down, if everyone else goes down, Jeff Wilson already went down, and he was just getting out of a chair. You know, it's it's the 49ers. They they lose guys left and right in that backfield. If if Raheem Mostert went down tomorrow, do you know how much Trey Sermon's ADP would shoot through the roof? Yeah, you and you can crazy. even if he's the only dude in town, which he won't be because we know Mike mm-hmm. Shanahan. Raheem Mostert goes down; he's signing four running backs off the street <laughs> just <laughs> just to compensate for Mostert because that's what he does. Mm-hmm. He's never getting the thirteen hundred yards. Service announcement: Kyle Shanahan. Yep, <laughs> he's what I said. Mike, did I say Mike? Oh man. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's a violation. Throwback. Yeah, you can get me on that. Wow. That's a I guess I had my old man hat on on that one. But um I mean that's that's what they do. I mean, most of it goes down, they'll probably end up signing Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley. I mean, that's that's just what they do. Good I have both of them on a roster still. What's <laughs> good for you. <laughs> I I love you not not giving up the uh not giving up the hope. Um and Trey Sturman still ain't getting the 1,300 yards. They, they, you know why we'll they call see. him Trey Sermon? Because it's going to be about 300 yards for him. That's why they call him Trey. Oh. But we'll see. No, honestly, I mean, I, I slam on Trey Sermon because Bill and I have this thing going and it's all in good fun, honestly. Yeah. I think Trey Sermon will be okay, but I, it's not going to be his rookie year, even if guys go down. And let's face it, we know guys go down. In San Francisco, I mean, it's not just running backs. The defensive offense, everybody goes down. That sniper is going to get Trey Sermon, too. I mean, let's just – let's face it. The, the sniper goes off and just he gets everybody. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't get out of the way. Nobody on defense could get out of the way last year. Uh, George Kittle, he went down. Um, yeah, I mean – I sure listen, hope not. Listen. I'm sure Trey Sermon will carve out a, uh, a a good career for himself, make a lot more money than I'll ever see in my lifetime. But um, 1,300 yards, yeah, I'm not uh, I- I'm not doing that, and I'm I'm cool with uh, I'm cool with the wager that that we made. So, and hey, if I'm wrong, I get to wear a very uh, form fitting women's tee on the show. So. Uh, I think that's more of a punishment for you guys than me, but hey, you know, that's what Bill chose. So uh 
That is not what I chose. That's what that's what uh Bill chose. So uh, here you go. We got. I don't know if you'll be able to see this in the uh, in the comments, but uh, Steve with the with the little bikini action there it ain't gonna be one of those. Um, I don't want to lose all listenership, but uh, it'll be fun. I think we should do like a tracker every week. We'll uh we'll get uh the Trey Sermon stats for the week, and we'll uh we'll, we'll do a little big board on uh. Hey, 17 games. You never know. I mean, you know, you, That's you, good point. I, I mean, I asked you, you still don't got a shot, but I mean, Hey, you know, we'll give you the extra game just to, just to see what's going on. Um, but Drew, thanks for getting us down that side track because, uh, you know, we it's like have so any- easy. All, you, all the peanut gallery has to do is say that. And then it's like 10 minutes in the show. Where we talk about effing Trey Sermon. <laughs> Bill Bill hates himself for for even uh, backing Trey Sermon at any point in time, just because now it seems like it, our listeners just come up with it every week. Trey Sermon somehow comes up even when we're not even remotely talking about Trey Sermon. So, like, including like my um, eliminators and SFB, I have Trey Sermon in one of twenty five leagues, and you make it sound like I'm like the Trey Sermon uh, lover. And I know that there's people in the uh, peanut gallery here that um, have many more shares of him than I. So I'll I'll do Bill one better. He is the trade sermon lover on the show because I have zero love. Okay, zero fair shares enough. Of that guy. So I have like infinity percent more than you. Yes. So he loves Trey Sermon. He has him in four percent right, of yeah. his leagues, while I have him in zero percent of it's my. Getting league. really close to ten fifteen. <laughs> We got time. Um, all right, so we'll, let's bust this one out because this is from some uh, some guy who I think is really smart, uh, Clinic Cap at Clinic Cap. He says, I'm not a zero RB truther, but if you're going to do zero RB, here are some guys you should be targeting. Uh, so you bust some out. Darrell Henderson, Gus Edwards, David Johnson, James Conner, Damian Harris, who we spoke about earlier, Zach Moss, and A.J. Dillon. Uh, who am I missing? So... Bill, I don't know if you if any guys come off the top of your head. If not, I got a couple guys. So if you want to go first, go ahead. So I'll go with one, and then you can go with one to give me a little more time because I know I thought of a few before uh, the show. But uh, the first one that pops into my head is Philip Lindsay. Like he's an interesting one to me just because like he costs nothing, and I mean with that trio of running backs like i'm not sure who's going to end up being the guy like they all bring different types of skills to the team so like you know those are those ambiguous like uh running back uh rooms that you want to take a shot on um jj zacharyson just had a great uh episode this week about that and and that's where you want to kind of shoot your shots on those guys and and that's like a perfect example like getting one of those Texans running backs because one of them is going to hit and, you know, be better than their ADP by a fair amount. So, um, so yeah, that was the first one that popped into my mind, but I know there was a few more. So go ahead, Josh. Yeah. And first of all, see, Bill and I can joke around and we can get on each other's case about Trey Sermon, but you bring up Philip Lindsay. My love for Philip Lindsay will never go away. So I'm glad you mentioned him. Uh, it makes my heart swell. Um, I had two guys, so um, I'll hit the first one here. Uh, Tony Pollard. Um, 
Now this is June's uh, DLF's June Superflex ADP uh, 135. So, um, you know, there's differing opinions on you know if he needs a Zeke injury to be you know effective or can he do it on his own. I'm not going to get into that. I just think he's a really good player and he can uh, he could score you points if uh, if you go zero RB. Which by the way, I'm not a zero RB guy either. So, um, you know, here's one. And then here's another one, which I was surprised his ADP was so low. And again, this is a uh, DLF's June Superflex ADP. Kenyon Drake coming in with an ADP of 154. Um, listen, I, you know, the narrative is, you know, they spent a lot of money for that position. So that means they're going to do something with them. I think sometimes we need to take a step back and remember that bad franchises make bad decisions with their money. Doesn't always mean that <laughs> that the bad decisions are going to be played out all the way through. But there is a scenario, you know, we were talking about, you know, range of outcomes. There is a scenario where this is like a 50-50 timeshare or 55-45 timeshare with Josh Jacobs. And in that case, as a zero RB target, I mean, Kenyon Drake, he can catch the ball. He can run a little bit. I'm not saying that he's going to be, you know, an RB1 or even a high-end RB2. But if you're going zero RB and you get, like, the running back 19-20, I mean, that, that's, that's a pretty good way to go. So, you know, those were two that I just kind of plucked out of the air. I went – um kind of went anything over a hundred just to see uh what could be out there bill i don't i don't know if there was another one that you saw it it kind of goes along with um you know the same thing it's just another room where you're not really sure who the rb1 is and it, it was devin singletary um so like i mean as much as i don't necessarily think he's going to be the guy i still think there's a shot that he ends up being the guy so like he's a guy that I would consider. And I, I agree. I'm not typically a zero RB guy. I'm usually a guy that likes to grab one, one top end running back. And then I kind of struggle to fill that second RB slot. Um, that's, I like to, you know, I don't want to feel comfortable. So I always uh, try to make it hard on myself for that second running back position. Um, but I like to fill the other positions, you know, like, QB and tight end, uh, especially with Superflex, that, um, you know, but, but yeah, those, those are the two guys that did pop into my head earlier. Um, it's just all those ones where you're not really sure who the RB1 is um, to start the season. Yeah, and I love, I love both your selections. Um, who knows what's going to happen in Buffalo? Um, we probably, the only thing we do know about that running back room is it's not going to be Matt Breida. Besides that, uh, we don't really have any idea. So I want to I want to throw this one up there because it made me laugh. Um, uh, short logic: Who gets more yards this year, Philip Lindsay or Trey Sermon? Uh, uh, we'll go around the room. Just say the name, Bill. Who's it going to be? Oh, I'm going Trey Sermon. Cap, who's it going to be? It, it's Trey Sermon. Listen, uh, you can get me to say a lot of disrespectful things about Trey Sermon, but that's not going to be one of them. I'm, I'll go Trey Sermon on that one. Um, and, and here's another one from Samuel Jacobwitz. Sorry if I messed up your last name. 
Uh, traded Montgomery for Andrews because I really needed a tight end and had three amazing running backs. What do you think? Um, there's there's a lot I don't know about this. Like, is this dynasty? Is this redraft? Is there a premium on the tight end? Um, three running backs isn't a lot, in my opinion. Um, we see running backs go down all the time. Uh, they... They do. It's just the nature of the beast. They they probably get injured percentage-wise more than any other position. So, yeah, is it, you know, is it a good trade? Yeah, I think value-wise, I mean, I think it's a good trade. But, you know, if this is a, if this is a just regular, you know, no tight end premium, you know, and maybe you have a guy like, I'm trying to think of a guy that maybe, you know, like, you know, Logan Thomas or Tanya that maybe you're not excited about this year, but could still be good. Maybe you didn't need to make the deal. But, you know, on its face, you know, I would want Andrews all day. So uh, what about you guys? Yeah, I, I would do that trade. I mean, if I would rather balance my team a bit. Like if you don't really have a tight end and you're happy with that. And I'm not super high on Montgomery long-term personally. Like I'm okay moving him. Like I just don't think he'll ever be a high-end guy. So like can I move him for something that's going to help me elsewhere and he's not like necessarily that much better than my next option? Um, Yeah, I'm willing to do that to kind of balance my team a bit. And I'm not too worried. You know, everybody's going to be dealing with running back issues. And I – that's why I don't mind having one suspect running back at, in my starting lineup, just because if somebody gets hurt, it's easier to replace somebody like that. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm okay with that trade for sure. What about you, Kat? Still, yeah, I was going to say it does depend a bit on scoring format, dynasty, if it's a premium, like you said. Um, but, you know, generally it's a lot harder to get an elite tight end than it is to get a running back, not necessarily an elite one, but one that can give you RB1 production or even RB2. Um, so the way I look at it is the value proposition between those two positions. Um, you're going to have a lot harder time getting a tight end who's the focal point of an offense. I know the Ravens added a lot of, you know, passing numbers with Rashad Bateman. They signed Sammy Watkins. But Mark Andrews is probably going to still be Lamar Jackson's first and favorite read. Um, and if I'm targeting any kind of fancy tight end, I want that tight end if they're going to be the first read in the offense. Um, you know, beyond that, their rushing attack, you know, they're obviously run heavy, but I'm saying from the passing aspect he's probably going to be the most popular weapon there um i've been an advocate that he's their wide receiver one and it's not any of these other guys um and we've seen that for a couple of seasons now so i'm fine with it just because that position is so much harder to find um at elite production level um you know like i said it does matter but you know i i would pull a trigger on this i traded away montgomery in a dynasty league today actually trade him for chase claypool on third because i'm always a believer that you know you need to you want the young wide receivers long-term in dynasty. And I think Claypool's that type of prospect profile, you know, don't want to get on a sidetrack with that, but just trying to say that, you know, I'm okay with moving Montgomery after the season. You're likely selling him at peak value in my opinion. Yeah. And, and one point that you brought up, that's really good on our way out on this subject is that, you know, they did bring in Sammy Watkins. They did draft Rashad Bateman. They also drafted uh, Tyon Wallace in the fourth. So if this is kind of a swing to become more of a pass-happy team, um, 
like you said, maybe that just means more targets for Andrews because I think he will still be the number one option for Lamar. And in that case, you know, maybe you're getting a guy who people are looking at as tight end five or six and maybe moving him closer to like tight end three, which is a nice place to be. Um, so here's, a, here's another one. This will be interesting because this isn't a guy we talk about a lot um, from Fantasy Wizard. What's y'all thought on Najee Harris and where he should be drafted? So Superflex uh, ADP, he is the RB10 right now at about pick 30. So uh, that's Dynasty, obviously. But where, you know, do you guys like him there? Is it a little too early, a little too late? Uh, Cap, why don't you start us off? I'm fine with him there for Dynasty. You know, I'm not one of these guys who believes just because he's got a bad offensive line that he's going to be bad for fantasy. And, you know, my counter argument to that is always, you know, do we worry about Christian McCaffrey's offensive line? Do we worry about Dalvin Cook's bad offensive line? And did that prevent them from being great for fantasy? No, it hasn't. And we don't ever talk about it. You know, no one ever brings up Vikings O-line or Panthers O-line. We don't, we, it's just not a narrative that's out there. So for me, I'm fading that noise of, you know, Najee's going to have a bad O-line. Yeah, he will. But I really don't think it's going to impact his, his fancy value that much because the dude's going to get, you know, some of the highest volume in the league. You want to talk about guys that aren't in a committee? He's one of the few that you're going to be able to count on your hand and say, this guy's not in a committee. I know he's the workhorse. Um, and those are far and few between. You know, from a dynasty standpoint, people are going to say the age, which I understand that. But if you're projecting more than two or three window year windows in dynasty, then you're fooling yourself. If you're saying, you know, Najee's going to be dust in, in five years. Okay, great. Yeah, tell me the other guys that are going to be dust in five years too, because you can't project that far out. So I like to look in two, three-year windows for dynasty teams, um, because if you're not hitting a championship level within them, then you, I think you need to re- reevaluate your strategy a little bit of the constant rebuild. Um, so I'm good with them there. You know, I think he, in his range of outcomes, he could finish as a top 10 fantasy running back year one. Um, and I'm one of those people who believe he will have a role in the passing game because we touched on earlier that Big Ben's arm strength isn't what it used to be. And his style of, of play has changed a lot. So, I, you know, it's not like Najee can't catch passes, you know, contrary to popular belief. Um, so I could see him being involved with checkdowns, things like that. You know, it could be very reminiscent of a Saquon Barkley rookie year where if you remember he had like 121 targets or something like that because Eli Manning was old and not throwing the ball you know the ball down the field as much so I think that's that's a, a probable outcome for him so I'm I'm totally fine with him at that price what about you Bill yep uh hashtag analysis um yeah you know not Nachi's a guy that I I can't like I can't get a beat on like, I I don't know where I don't know if I want to like him or maybe fade him for this year. Um, the offensive line is scary. Um, the age, I don't worry about the age. I mean, he'll be fine in that regard, but the offensive line scares me. And I, I think that's maybe the reason why I know he's good. I know he's talented. That's obvious. He's proven that over and over again, but you know, when, three or four fifths of your offensive line is getting drafted in the first couple of rounds of the draft every year. That's, that's going to help. Um, that's going to, you know, that's going to do some things for you. Um, so yeah, I'm unsure, you know, there's some, there's some guys going, you know, 
I think in Dynasty, it's fine if we're talking about redraft. I mean, I think there's some guys that are probably going after Najee that I would rather have. You know, guys like uh, Austin Eckler, guys like uh, Ezekiel Elliott um, as the one-year play, you know. But if we're talking about three years from now, um, I agree with you, Cap. I think he's going to be in that top 10-ish area. So if you take him at 10 in your startup draft, uh, I think you'll be good to go. But, you know, Bill and I always say, take your guy. You like your guy, take your guy, you know, and and don't let nobody else tell you what to do. I mean, Cap said it, though. I mean, and just to reiterate, because I know I didn't really didn't provide too much, uh, but here's my, like, they're one of the few teams that just runs their RB1 and just runs them and runs them and runs them and uses them. And he's just utilized such a high percentage of the snaps that like, it's just such a safe bet. And like, so I'm totally cool taking that because the upside is just monstrous and the downside is not really that great. So like, I mean, I just really like, I like, he's one of my, favorite rookies like i mean only running back i drafted in pretty much every league was Najee harris and i would move up to get him so like i mean i guess i am a fanboy but uh it's more because of situation which means i'll probably end up getting just destroyed because of that because you should never do that but um you know i i i'm really hopeful for how he's gonna do this year There you go. So, uh, Wizard, I hope that that helped you out. And on that note, I think we're going to I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, You know, thank you to everybody in the chat. The chat was popping, man. Chat was like, you know, we had the wizard in here. We had short logic, a.k.a. sensitive logic in here. Uh, you know, Lindsey Kennedy, Drew was out in here. I saw Hot Sauce come in with a hey yo for a second. Uh, Samuel Jacob Witz. I mean, so many people. Steve was in here. It was a good time. Uh, thank you all for coming when the chat is lit. I mean, it just makes the show so, you know, so much more fun, so much more entertaining. It, uh, it kind of amps me up a little bit more, not that I need it, but hey, whatever. Um, just remember if you, tripped and fell upon us make sure you hit the bell make sure you hit subscribe you don't only get us because obviously you know you search that network when you go to hit the bell and subscribe you know the the junkies are doing their thing uh rocky and andrew hall they're they're just they're putting on bangers right now oh bill's got a big show for them uh tomorrow so subscribe because they have a really uh really big guest coming in tomorrow that's an afternoon show. That's two. I don't know, but it's uh, it's one of these celebrities participating in um, in SFB. They tweeted about it today. Oh, okay. I didn't see that. Yeah, they. So if you know Bill's uh, Bill's being mysterious because he didn't realize they tweeted about it, but James Roday from uh, Psych. Know, one of my one of my favorite shows, Psych, but he's also doing uh, a million little things. Um, he he just seems like a funny dude, and he's going to be on the Junkies. I think that man, I'm going to be. Side note: uh, He and I were in the same division last year in SFB, and he smashed me both games. 
Yeah, I remember I remember talking to talking to you about that, Bill, and we were like, hey, uh, you know, you think James Rodetti is any good? And uh he was Bill's like, ah, maybe he is, maybe he's not. And then after the first game, he's like, I think he's... he was undefeated. He went like twelve and zero, go or thirteen and zero, or twelve and one going into the playoffs. Like his team he's just crashed. Like, he's like, he smoked me. I'm like, really? He's like, he smoked me. I was like, yeah. all right. So I guess he's, uh, I guess he's good. So I, I, I looked. So it I up. won't be watching that show, but everybody else should. Uh, I looked it up, and did they put the right date? Because they, maybe they did. Because they put 716. Anyway, if you subscribe and hit the bell, you'll know when they're going live. So just do that. It's going to be at 2 p.m. I did get that part right. Um, but just do that anyway, because it's not just us. It's the junkies. Sometimes the trade addicts just randomly um, open it up to everybody and not just people in the Cool Kids Club. Uh, their show is awesome. So you're just getting a bunch of awesome shows just by hitting subscribe and the bell one time. So do that. Um, if you're listening to us on podcast, thank you. Uh, we're hitting about an hour and 15 minutes here. You can literally be doing anything else in the world, but you have decided to listen to Bill and Kat just drop knowledge and me just say whatever the hell comes into my head. So I appreciate that. Um, remember to, if you tripped on that, um, make sure you make sure you hit uh, subscribe on that too, because um, we come out every Wednesday, 9 p.m. Uh, and you're, you know, we're usually in there later on in the night on Wednesday. So if you work a night job or you're a night owl, uh, we're usually out there around 11 o'clock. We're usually out there. So, uh, you can hit us up or if you wake up in the morning and need something to commute to, uh, drop us on. Um, and then make sure to do that, uh, that, uh, rate and review thing if you can, cause it gets us out there in front of more eyes and, you know. That's what Bill and I are trying to do, even though Bill is like, you know, Bill tries to pretend that he doesn't want people to listen to him. So, um, Kat, on our way out, please let everybody know where they can find you, what you're doing, and what you're up to. Yeah, you can find my personal Twitter at Clinic Cap, as you can see on the screen. Um, our brand profile is at Clinic Fantasy, where we drop a lot of information. We have a Patreon where you can access our stat projecting tool. So that if you want to make your own rankings, do projections, super easy. Um, we also provide other content over there. We have a website at fantasyfootballclinic.com where we post things regularly. Um, and in the meantime, I'm working on creating a podcast with somebody else in the right now. Um, yeah, sure. Logic already did follow me, um, but <laughs> I'm working on creating a podcast with somebody. We've got some big uh, guests lined up for that. More information to come, but we've got Joe from Fantasy Pros and. Uh, couple other big names coming coming down the pipes for guessing on that to kick that off so they can search my twitter for more information when that comes soon and listen um short logic already did it make sure you're following cat because honestly uh i've been following him for a little bit and it's just straight knowledge like uh, this is somebody who knows what he's talking about this is somebody that's going to make you better at this fantasy thing and i mean at the end of the day that's what we're all trying to do so and you're supporting a lions fan i mean that alone geez you gotta feel bad for the guy if for no other reason just just have some empathy or sympathy that i've suffered as a lions fan even if it's not for fantasy knowledge oh okay even if it's a pity follow just do it yeah Mm -hmm. we don't want they're all same 
we don't want to turn people off here. We're trying. We're trying to get people to don't, listen. Don't to worry. Them. I don't talk about the Lions that much. It's all good. As short file, uh, they, he's a Vikings fan, so now he unfollowed. See, this is why we don't talk about the Lions. Damn it! So, uh, so I gotta earn it back. On that note, now that now that we got someone to unfollow, Cap <laughs> Bill, let's let's just get out of here. All right. Late.